Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello, everyone. I'm just going to give you a little glimpse behind the microphone today since I am not on video. It's just been one of those days. I'm just going to tell you, I have been intending to get in and record this session for about five days. And my perfectionism has gotten the best of me because there are so many things I want to make sure that I say and I want to get it right, right as we wrap up our series on Peter today. And so I've sat down three times today to record and once I didn't have the mic on correctly, the second time I didn't have the mic close to my face enough and it was echoing in here and I am finally sitting down and we're going to wrap this up today right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay. Welcome back and welcome to the wrap up of the Peter series that we've been doing. And I think part of the reason why it's been so hard and challenging for me to actually sit down in the studio and record this is it is so near and dear to my heart. It's kind of like me with a really good book. I do something really strange when I'm at the end of a really good read. I tend to slow down my reading pace. My husband thinks I'm crazy, but 
at the end of a really good book, instead of racing to the end, like I know probably many of you do, I tend to slow down and just want to just squeeze out every drop of the book. I just, like, I don't want it to end, right? And I think that's what happened with me with this Peter study. I have been talking about doing this study on the life arc of Peter for years, And it was just sort of a project that just kept simmering in my mind, but I wasn't actually taking the time to dig it in and out. And I think it's because I romanticized it so much. I was so excited about doing it. I was like, well, what will I do after I do that, right? Like I can exhaust what, you know, I have the opportunity to teach. Anyway, I finally, I already had the outline. I've had the outline for maybe 10 years, right? So I wasn't hurting for the outline even. It's just, I was just so excited about doing it, but simultaneously like humbled by the prospect of doing it and maybe not a little overwhelmed, right? And so then I actually told some people I was going to do it, which is a great thing to do for yourself is to actually tell people you're going to do something because then you're sort of on the hook for it, right? So I told my team that this is what I was going to do. Everyone was super excited about it. And then like I really had to do it. So I just want to thank all of you for tuning in. I've got some really great feedback. And again, I just want to say my caveat here at the beginning is I realize that this is not exhaustive, right? It's not as in-depth as even I would want to go. It's almost just a flyover at 20,000 feet. But I hope that it inspires you to really dig into Scripture. Since I've begun this, I have come over so many resources. I'm not the only one who thinks Peter is a really remarkable example for us in Scripture. And there are countless volumes of writings on the life of Peter and background searches and studies into his life that really make me feel like I am indeed in over my head. But again, my purpose, and I wanted to review this for you before we wrap this up today, just so sort of a bookend. I went over this the first time we were together. Now on the other end, I just want to remind us what the objective was here. And that is, I wanted to bring Peter to life for you. I think it's very, very easy for us to read the Bible and kind of get into a self-imposed dryness. Sort of we get into the blah, 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 blah of it, and we miss the real power of it. We we miss the blood and sweat of it. These were real people, and God in His sovereignty and by His providential plan has given us their life stories for our benefit. And so it's not just, the Bible is not just a list of do's and don'ts. Certainly it is that, but those do's and don'ts are played out in the lives of real men and women women so that we can see the benefits and the blessings of obeying and trusting God, and we can see the consequences of disobedience. So um, the commands that were given in Scripture, the admonitions that were given in Scripture, are not just given because God felt like He had to tell us something to do. They're given for our good. And we get to see that played out in Scripture. And again, one of the things that I love about Peter is his life arc, right? And I think there's so much that we can learn about it. And that's why I wanted to do this study is because I believe that we see how human he is. Too often, if you're anything like me, I get I beat myself up sometimes, not for any good reason. I, I get frustrated with myself because I'm human, 
right? Like, so because I can't get it all done, or I don't get it all done to the standard I want to get it done, or I don't feel like I have enough time, or, or, or. But if I analyze all of those ors, guess what it is? I get frustrated myself because I'm human. And I don't believe there's any evidence in scripture that I'm supposed to live frustrated because I'm human. I'm human. That's how God made me, and that's how God made you. But I think, again, the glory of what God's called us to is to live our best lives as humans, made in His image, within the boundaries that He has set for our good and His glory. That's the outlay of the biblical narrative. And so we look at Peter. I want to remind you that there's a story arc of progression in his life. He Gloriously, Peter doesn't get stuck. There are other people in the story arc of the biblical narrative, and we maybe will study some of these along our journey together here on the podcast. There are other people who get stuck, who camp out somewhere and, and choose against progression, right? Peter's not that guy. Um, and that's glorious. That's good news for you and for me. I don't know where this podcast today finds you. If you feel like you're in one of those stuck places, I get it. I've been there. I don't know maybe if you're in one of those places that you really want to get out of, right? You're just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Or maybe you're in one of those places and you know you need to move on and you're just not sure how or where or whatever. I really think the life of Peter's story is for you. Because you can see how the sovereignty of God, what God ordained throughout Peter's life, these different moments, right, in his life and his interaction with Jesus, right? Like you and I interact with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And as we have these interactions that he providentially ordains in our lives, these intersections that he brings us to sovereignly. And some of those intersections we're thrilled to be at, right? And some of them not so much, right? We see that through Peter's life. And so I want his story, this study that we've done, and I am, I have not yet, but I am going to post this outline for your further study over at rachelcarmen.com. I'm still determining how much, I mean, I've got probably 30 pages of handwritten notes because I'm a... I'm a handwriting kind of girl. I've got to go back and decide how much I want to give you, not because I want to hold it all as much as I don't want to overwhelm you. So I will be posting that for those of you who are looking for it. So you can, you know, use it as sort of a backbone of your study or whatever. But I hope that it inspires you and it engenders hope in you that you can have some of these really rough spaces, the same rough, rash interactions with Christ in your life, and there's still hope for you, right? And I think we see that over and over in Peter's life. And I want to encourage you wherever you are in your story arc, we're going to review Peter's in just a minute, wherever you are, I want you to take courage. I want you to take courage that you are seen by the Almighty, that you are seen by Him, that you are known by Him, and that He meets you right where you are. And yet further, I want you to know wherever you are today, God is not satisfied with where you are today. And He is inviting you deeper still. He is daring you to trust Him more, to obey Him more fully every single day, 
right? That's what we see throughout this story arc of Peter. Jesus is always asking Peter to trust him more and obey him more fully. And trust him more and obey him more fully. Peter, trust me more. Obey me more fully. That's throughout this. You can pull that idea from the very beginning of Peter's interaction with Christ all the way through the end of his story with Christ. And that's true for you and for me. So I want to encourage you, don't get stuck in your story arc. The enemy wants to take you captive in despair. And we see that very clearly that the enemy did that to Judas, right? And Judas was stuck and he hung himself in despair. That's not what happened to Peter. And so I want you to be encouraged. Don't get stuck. Keep moving. Keep daring to trust. Keep daring to obey. So with all of that in mind, that's my big fat caveat, right? With all that in mind, let's review where we've been. And again, I've got like all these notes that I've taken and it just makes me so happy. So we've had five points in this story arc of the life of Peter. We started out with Peter being curious, right? Who is this? His brother Andrew comes and says, we have found Messiah. Wow. His his brother came and got him. You know, there's so many questions that I could ask throughout just this review today. You know, where are your brothers and your sisters? Who are you pointing to Messiah? Andrew came and says to Peter, we have found Messiah. And Peter goes, right? So under this period of of Peter's life, the first period I call, this is his curious phase where he's just sort of curious. So his brother comes, says, we have found Messiah. And what does Peter do? He follows. Jesus called, Peter followed. Then second in this curious phase, we see that he witnessed. And during this presentation on the podcast, I went through all of these different things according to the gospel narrative. So if you take all four gospels and you overlay them and you look at this timeline that I'm laying out and you just look at what Peter would have witnessed just early on in Jesus' ministry, it's remarkable because it's during this period of time that Jesus is performing miracles and he's teaching and he's telling parables and he's having conversations one-on-one and with the crowd and he's confronting the religious leaders. And Peter is witnessing this, right? He's seeing this. And then the, the third and final thing that I had under this curious phase for Peter is he walks on water. Remember Jesus is walking on the water and <laughs> Peter says, if it's you, If it's you, then tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. What a glorious thing. I mean, this is Peter putting his money where his mouth is. He sees Jesus. He's a fisherman. He knows how the water works, right? You don't just walk on water. And he says, if you are who you say you are, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter walks on the water. So that sort of rounds out his curious phase because tragically now he gets into a phase that probably is not unfamiliar to any of us. And this second phase is what I refer to as his cocky phase. This is when Peter's like, yeah, I'm with him. He's like, he gets who Jesus is, right? He is Messiah. Andrew was right. He's Messiah. And Peter, during this phase, thinks he knows what that means. And what Peter thinks that means is he, he's with Messiah. 
He's going to be part of the revolution. He's going to be part of overthrowing Rome. Now, remember, this is what the Jews were looking for. The 400 years of silence at the end of Malachi to the beginning of the advent of Christ here. We have 400 years of silence. During this time, the Jews have been waiting All the prophecies in the Old Testament, they've been waiting for Messiah. And they really thought that Messiah's coming would be the overthrow of Roman oppression. That's what they anticipated. So when Andrew says, we found Messiah, basically Andrew is saying, we found the revolutionary. This is the guy that's going to do it. Come be a part of what he's going to do. And so Peter's all in, right? You got to know that about Peter. Peter is all in. He's, he's not halfway. He's all in. And so here we see Jesus, first of all, confess. Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? And Peter's always the one that speaks up over and over throughout the gospel narrative. Who's going to speak up and answer Jesus? It's going to be Peter. And so Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter got who he was with a twist. And that is a Messiah made in his image. Peter knew what he wanted in a Messiah. He wanted the overthrow of Roman oppression. And that's what he thought. He protested against Jesus' foretelling of his needing to be mocked, brutalized, crucified, and buried. Three times in the book of Mark, 8, 9, and 10, Jesus predicts that he is going to have to die. He's going to go to Jerusalem and die. And Peter's like, yeah, no. No. Uh uh-uh, not going to happen. And Jesus rebukes him. Get behind me, Satan. In fact, the rebuke that Jesus gives to Peter is the strongest rebuke that Jesus gives to anyone that's recorded in Holy Writ. He refers to the religious leaders as a brood of vipers, but I would suggest to you, get behind me, Satan, is a whole nother level, right? And he rebukes Peter, saying, get behind me. i got to do what God has sent me to do. And this may have been, if Peter could have seen it, if he wasn't blinded by his cockiness, this may have been the hint, if Peter could have seen it, that Jesus wasn't going to do what Peter was wanting or thinking he was going to do. It wasn't, his first advent was not about overthrowing Rome. His first advent was about glorifying the Father, by paying our sin debt. So Peter protested, and then he declares, I'm willing to die with you. And Jesus predicts that he will deny him three times. So we have his curious phase, his cocky phase, and then we enter into the third phase, which I think is Peter's really confused phase, because he's starting to go, whoa, 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 whoa. What? What? And for a deeper study, go back and listen to the other podcast because during this phase, he protects Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, his world is starting to whirl in his mind. I mean, things are just, oh my goodness, what in the, what they're, they're resting? And he pulls out his sword, he cuts off Malchus's ear. They take Jesus away. He's in the courtyard of the, the praetorium, right? And and he denies him three times and the cock crows and he catches eyes with Jesus and oh my goodness, he goes away and he, he weeps bitterly. What is going on? And it says he mourned because he, he oh my goodness, Jesus said I was going to do that and I actually did that. Stay tuned and we'll pick up with phase four right after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? 
Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Okay. Curious, cocky, confused. So now we have Jesus dead and buried, right? Dead and buried. And Peter is totally totally spent. He has cried himself to sleep, right? And on Sunday morning, the girls, the women have been to the tomb and they knock on Peter's door and they're like, you got to come. You got, it's empty. No one's there. And Peter races John, right? And when they get there, he, he runs, he beholds, right? He runs to the tomb. And though John beats him, he runs right on into the tomb. And you know what? It's empty, it's empty. He sees, he beholds the empty tomb. Where is he? Where is he? And then Jesus appears to the disciples behind closed doors miraculously. And he says, here are my hands. Here is my side. Peter sees the resurrected Jesus undeniably. And then on the sea, He listens to Jesus as Jesus affirms him three times once for every denial. It's beautiful. Don't miss it. Go back and listen and study that for yourself. But all of that brings us today to the fifth phase of Peter's life. He's gone from curious to cocky to confused to changed and now to confident. And yet this confidence that Peter has now isn't the cocky he had previous. Because the cocky that he had previous was based on himself and what he thought he was going to gain by being with Messiah. That was all about him. But the confident Peter that we're going to talk about today is all about Christ. See, at this point, he really gets who Jesus is and why he came. He's grateful for him having coming. He totally gets it. He totally gets it. So the beginning of the confident phase is after the ascension. So after the Sea of Galilee where Jesus affirms him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times, right? Jesus is ascended and he tells the disciples, go back to Jerusalem and wait because I'm sending the helper. Right? So this is the beginning of this confident phase. He knows what he's seen. Jesus has affirmed and forgiven him for the denials, right? He has seen him ascend into heaven. And now they're back in the upper room, about 120 of them. So the remaining 11 disciples, Judas hung himself. 
The remaining 11, a total of about 120 of the closest followers of Christ are gathered together. And Peter stands. Peter stands and does two things. So the first thing he stands up to do is says, we need another disciple. But he takes control. You see him do that. So once upon a time, you could argue that Peter was the self-appointed leader of the disciples. But, but now, after the affirmation on the seaside, he's the appointed leader of the disciples. And he's standing in confidence. And I'm going to suggest to you, although it doesn't say this in Scripture, I think there is a confident humility now about Peter. He stands up and he says, we need another disciple. And so you can go back and read about that. Matthias is chosen, right? But then it says, if we pick up reading, and I suggest that you take some time to go back and read this. I'm in Acts 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, now the day of Pentecost, Pentecost was one of three pilgrimage festivals for the Jewish people, meaning that the men of the Jews were to come to Jerusalem. So this was not a festival that they were supposed to celebrate in their towns around the area, but instead they were supposed to come to Jerusalem. So that means that Jerusalem would have been packed with people, just crawling with people. And you got to appreciate this, that God is taking advantage of this mass of people that's going to be in town. God knew they were going to be there. He had instituted this feast in the Old Testament. You can go back and study it in Leviticus, right? So this was an Old Testament feast in the book of Leviticus. All of these people are going to be here. It's 50 days from Passover, Pentecost, 50 days from Passover, and it says this, Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. This is glorious. Because this was the day of Pentecost, because it was a pilgrimage festival, because all of these people would have traveled to be in Jerusalem, there's a message of who Jesus is that needs to be delivered. But because these people are coming from all of these different places... They need to hear the message, the good news, the gospel in their own language. And so the first miracle of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit was that these gathered were able to speak in foreign tongues to deliver the good news of Jesus Christ to this mass of people. That's wonderful. It's glorious. This is truly miraculous. And who does it say? This is what I love. I've marked it in my Bible. If you fast forward then, it lists all these different people from all these different places um, in verses, let's see, 5 through verse 13. It says, Now then, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And it lists all of these. It says that here's them They all heard them speaking in their own language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why? Are these not Galileans? How is it that we each hear them in our own language? So even before the gospel is declared, all of the people in the audience are acknowledging something's going on here. He's speaking my language. How is that possible? 
So already they're captivated even before, even before the gospel message is delivered. And then if you pick up with me in verse 14 of Acts 2, it says, but Peter, taking his stand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this was spoken through the prophet Joel. So Peter again, he stood up in the upper room to get a new uh, apostle, Matthias, and here he is on the day of Pentecost in this mass confusion when they're all able to speak the tongues of all of these gathered people who've come for this, uh, this festival on this pilgrim journey. He stands up to quiet the crowd and say, we're not drunk. We're not drunk. And in fact, this was prophesied by an Old Testament prophecy in the book of Joel. And he stands prepared to give the gospel message. It is glorious. I challenge you to go back and read it. So Peter is confident, Peter. First, he stands. Second, he wrote. There are three books in the New Testament that are attributed to Peter. You're probably familiar with First and Second Peter, but you might be surprised to know that the Gospel of Mark was written by John Mark, probably John Mark acting as Peter's scribe. If you read the book, the Gospel of Mark, realizing that Mark is just taking notes from Peter, it makes so much sense. The, book, the word immediately is in the book of Mark like 42 times. And that is Peter. Peter's immediately kind of guy, right? And the focus of the book of Mark from Peter's perspective is Jesus as a servant, the action-oriented servant. Peter sees Jesus doing, doing And that's what you read throughout the Gospel of Mark. Mark is a very fast-paced gospel of these things that Jesus did. It's the shortest gospel, which again is so Peter, right? It's a condensed but very active gospel about what Jesus did. And then you're probably familiar then with First and Second Peter. Peter wrote both of those towards the end of his life, possibly when he was already imprisoned under Nero in Rome. But the theme of these are so key. The, the theme of First Peter is pain with a purpose. Peter's message in the, in the, in the letter of First Peter is, look, your suffering is for a purpose. And you need to know that today, wherever you are. This is not just a New Testament, times of Jesus, early, um, church message. This is a message for today that our suffering, our pain, our trials, our tribulations, the challenges and the obstacles that we face are not without a purpose. They never surprise God. They may surprise us. I mean, I've had things come at me even recently. I just feel like I've been broadsided. Like, where did that come from? I did not see that coming, right? And Peter says in First Peter, Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Because your pain and your suffering, your persecution, it's got a purpose. It's got a purpose. And he declares throughout 1 Peter that the purpose is that God would be glorified and that we would be refined. That's the whole point. The whole point is that we become more and more like Christ, that we trust Him more, that we obey Him more fully, that He gets the glory. And there are many themes throughout it. I love the idea that he talks about in First Peter about what it looks like to be sober. 
to be sober. And that's an old phrase that we don't use very much today, but in my mind, that's all about being mindful, being cognizant of where we are and what's going on and who's in control, right? God's in control. God's in control. None of this is out of his control. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, it is literally not an out of control circumstance. It may feel that way, but God's in control. And in every one of our life circumstances, God is extending to us the the opportunity to trust and obey him to trust and obey Him, to be still and know, Psalm 46.10. And that's what Peter writes about, for us to be aware, for us to be focused up in our suffering and our persecution. I'm actually doing a study on 1 Peter, and I thought it would be interesting to go through the whole book and list the admonitions. So you find admonitions throughout the um, the letters, whether they're by Peter or Paul or James or Jude or Timothy in the New Testament, right? You find all of these admonitions like prepare your minds, be sober, fix your hope. Well, in my going through First Peter, just First Peter, I came up with over 50 admonitions. 50. I just want to suggest to you today, if you want to know how to live the full and flourishing life, say that fast, if you want to live a full flourishing life that is an honor to God, then study the admonitions that the biblical writers included in their writing. It tells us how to live. It tells us. And, and you can go on a sleuthing detective hunt like I did if you want. But again, just to list a few, a few more, he says, be holy. Conduct yourselves in fear. Love fervently one another. Put aside malice. Abstain from fresh, fleshly lust. I mean, he goes on and on and on. So many times we get to a point in our lives and we're just like, I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to do. I don't know. The Bible tells us how we ought to live. And Peter does this extensively in this just short book of 1 Peter. And then in 2 Peter, Peter's writing again in 2 Peter, just before he's martyred. In 2 Peter, he, he warns about false teaching. I'm here to tell you, 1 and 2 Peter are so relevant today. You and I need to remember that all of the hardships that we face, all of them, not some of them, not a few of them, all of them are with a purpose. And we need to seek out that purpose. We need to ask God to reveal it to us. And there may be specific things that he reveals to us, but we can always know, we can always know that whatever comes at us, right, is for his glory and our good. Whatever comes at us is an opportunity for us to lean into Him, to trust Him more, to obey Him more fully, to yield, to submit, to thank Him, to thank Him. I don't know where you are today, but have you dared to thank Him? To thank Him because He's at work in you, working out in you those impurities, endeavoring to form you more into the image of His Son, to make you an instrument of His peace, to give you witness and testimony to His goodness and His glory. Have you thanked Him? Because that's a basic opportunity that we have when we're in the midst of a hard time, to thank Him. And i got to tell you, 
I've been in some hard spots and, and I've dared to thank him. Not because I felt like it, not even because I wanted to, but because I've been told to, to give thanks in all circumstances. I've dared to do that with tears dripping off my chin, daring to thank him for what I don't understand, but that I trust that he's doing something glorious. I trust that he's doing something for my good, even though I don't understand it, and even though it really hurts. I'm going to dare to trust him. And then in 2 Peter, you and I have got to be on guard against false teaching. It is proliferated in our country today. There's a whole lot of this feel-good gospel. There's a whole lot of this edited gospel that throws out any kind of suffering or persecution as a lack of faith and interjects God in our own image And that's a false gospel. There's a lot of deconstruction gospel going on where I reconstruct a gospel that I like, that makes me comfortable and makes me feel good. And we've got to be on guard against both of those. We've got to make sure that we are focused on God high and lifted up. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. To you belong blessing and honor and glory and power. That God, high and lifted up. I I was listening to Elizabeth Elliot recently, and she said, God must be worshipped because he's glorious, not because we understand him. It's not about that. He's transcendent. He's completely other, right? He sent his son so that we could know him and worship him, but not lower him. So we have Peter in this confident face. He stood, he wrote, and finally he died. He died. Peter died probably under Nero, crucified. Some tradition holds that he was crucified upside down so as to humbly die, not in the same position as Christ. He didn't feel like he deserved to die in the same position as Christ. That's what some tradition holds. And so he was crucified upside down. But the beauty here is the compare and contrast with Peter's death and Judas's death. Death, Judas died in despair and dishonorably. He went out and hung himself, right? Having sold the Lord Christ, the son of perdition. And in contrast, Peter denied Christ, went out and wept bitterly, was convinced, convicted in his spirit that he had done wrong. And then on the sea, Jesus affirmed him. And instead of remaining or getting stuck in despair, he stood and he proclaimed He endured persecution and suffering. He was in prison. He was beaten. And he was glad to be beaten for the cause of Christ. And he died a martyr's death, having lived courageously for Christ. I have just a few questions for you as we wrap up this series. Where are you on your journey? Do you see yourself in the life of Peter? What's your story arc? Are you stuck? Or are you daring to go deeper? Are you daring to trust more? Are you daring to obey more fully? How are you responding to him? Who do you say he is? 
Have you betrayed him? Sold him? Have you denied him? Have you dared to live under condemnation so that you're just despairing and you've given way to despondency? Or have you been convicted and dared to place your confidence in Christ, knowing that his sufficiency, his price paid on Calvary, is full? I hope you've enjoyed this study. There's so much more I'd love to say. There's so much more we could discuss. But I pray that God will bless you as you continue to pursue Him, honor Him in all you say and do. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.